previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's one every five innings. I mean, it's yeah. just a lot of home runs. And 35 years old. So, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. And this, I this love is him. a team yeah. that's built around starting pitching. So. Was. It used I, to be. I love yeah. him. I totally love him because he never complains. He never looks at his arm. He never looks at his leg and looks at the trainer and wants to get out of there. He wants to pitch. Are you referencing a specific pitcher? I might be. It's a little cold. <laughs> I might be. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So in Washington, D.C., we are now in our third day of cold, dark rain. It's, it's just, it's, I don't want to say it's miserable because it's not. It's not heavy rain. It's not violent wind. It's not anything that would cause you to think, oh, these are the remnants of a hurricane. It's not that. It's just a misty rain that doesn't stop. And it's not going to leave anytime soon. It looks like what the game in Philly looked like yesterday. Yeah, it's just always, you know. Again, it's it's all about perspective, but I would trade places with almost anyone to get out of our house from this past weekend. Well, but that's because you had stuff in your house. Yeah. You know, you had boys. I goop. Yeah, you have boys who are ill. (laughs) Highly contagious I goop. Yeah, so I mean, that's, but, so you would just assume. With expired sanitizer. So you would just as soon be out in the rain. Yeah, then I worry that I'm going to get sick myself, but at this point, just had to get out of the house. It's just So what happens to me when I can't play golf, which is what has happened on Saturday and Sunday, and today at least I work, but when I don't work and I have nothing I can do outside, I go crazy and I don't have anything to do and I end up watching a lot of sports on television, just really a lot of sports on television. And I will say that if you don't have the red zone, I don't know what it costs because I don't know individually what it costs to get red zone on your cable package. I don't know if it's $5 a week or $1. They don't break it down in terms of what, because on my cable system, you either get it or you don't. And if you want it, it doesn't come, it's not a standalone. It comes in a package of other things. But Red Zone has now provided me for four straight weeks with fabulously exciting close games down to the wire. It's just been tremendous. The Jets and the Steelers, like you wouldn't expect these games to be good. And then maybe artistically they're not good, but they're so exciting. The Jets and the Steelers, Seattle and Detroit, between them they scored 300 points yesterday. Detroit scores more. For a team that loses all the time, Detroit scores so many points. The first game in London, which I had no particular interest in, Minnesota and New Orleans. How about the ending of that game? First, the guy kicks a 60-yard field goal, the longest field goal of his life, right? Right from the shield, yeah. And then he kicks again, and it bangs off the side of the goalpost, hits the crossbar, and doesn't work. So and after the game, the game goes final, did you see when they, they did that zoom in to see what the, uh, the various teams on the field, their reactions were in real time? Because it looks that. in. I didn't see that. It just looked like a great kick. Um, the Falcons and the Browns, Buffalo and Baltimore. Buffalo came back. I think they were down like 20-3. to 3. Philadelphia and Jacksonville. Philadelphia came back. They were down 14 nothing, and then dominated. And then the game at night, I didn't watch till the end, but there was a lot of scoring. I assume that was a pretty good game, although I don't know that Tampa Bay was ever really in it. Like, I don't know that Tampa Bay ever th- – it was not a close game, right? Yeah, no, it felt like they were chasing from the yeah. start. But a lot of good things to watch 
Um, but, but I keep coming back to the fact that it feels like Ireland here. I guess we should ask Wilbon that, what Ireland felt like. He I'm was sure he's the expert on that one. He's, he was there recently. The Nats uh, lose their last home game. Patrick Corbin, who was saved from losing 20 games this season by the sheer luck of pulling a muscle or something. I mean, you know, some physical problem that kept him from at least two starts, right, Michael? Maybe yep. three. And so he's 6-19 and 19 with a 6.31 ERA. I- I'm not even going to talk about the fact that he's not worth the money he's making because unlike Strasburg, he goes out there and tries to pitch. Strasburg can't get on the field. Corbin will get on the field. He does not shirk. I'm, I, I will not be critical of him at all except in this regard. 6-19 and 19 and a 6-3-1 ERA, that's, these are terrible that's just terrible. He makes a lot of money. He was worth it when he was signed. But this is a, this is a season. This one of, he's probably the worst starting pitcher by the numbers in all of baseball, right? Has to be, but I think it's, you can't just isolate him. You have to look at the coaching staff and see why has there been no adjustment. I know there is off the field, but this guy Hickey at a certain doesn't point, trying to try produce outs. Yeah. The, Hickey comes out there. He comes out five, six times a game. He covers his mouth. And he, he tries to look avuncular, but he, there's no result. There's just no result. He can't. Am I wrong on him? Maybe I'm wrong on him. No. Maybe he's a great coach. There's no result. None of them gets better. The only guy who got better all year was Finnegan. Yeah. The others, Fetty didn't get better. Gray didn't get better. Corbin didn't get better. Espino, who I love, didn't get better. Sanchez, who they just picked up, didn't get better in the bullpen. All those guys, they were revolving doors on the bullpen. Hickey, whoever, not Hickey, what's his, yeah. What's the guy's name? The, the big kid who throws hard, H.H. Uh, the long with the ha- long hair? Yeah, what's his last I don't name? remember. Anyway, but Finnegan's the only one who got better. You know, did Carl Edwards Jr. get better? I don't think he got better. I don't think any of them became dependable except for Finnegan. So the pitching coach who was good, if I'm not Maddox. mistaken, was Greg Maddox's brother, Mike yeah. Maddox. Left as quickly as he could for now, St. Louis, right? Yeah. I don't know where he is now. Yeah, either St. Louis or maybe San Diego. But, I mean, he's in the league. He just had a calming effect about him. Yeah. Uh, it just. But tremendous, it was tremendous fun to watch a, team, a young team try and play spoiler. They did not do that. But if you watched that, uh, what was it, the, the early game on Saturday when you had nothing else to do? Yeah. Fun. I did. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, and you always wondered, ooh, they're going to get this game in or is it going to ring? I don't have... I don't really have anything else. We'll get to Wilbon. Yes, Wilbon watched every game there is. We'll get to Mike Wilbon when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. In the morning I kiss you goodbye. This is a group called Low Hollow who are three songwriters who live in different states, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky, are only able to get together two or three times a year to write and play. They come prepared with a couple of lines or a chorus, but sometimes the music is just kind of in the air. Anyway, here is a couple of songs from our latest trip where we got together in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Georgia. Hope you enjoy. 
This is called When the Night Comes Around. We will play two songs from Low Hollow, and this one introduces Michael Wilbon. Let me just, let me just get this out of the way, because I, I don't know how you feel about it. Northwestern played at Penn State. It's a very tough place to play. I think there was a whiteout. Penn State likes to do that every once in a while. I had watched a little of it when it was like 14-7. It was not, Northwestern was not getting killed when I was watching. How did it end up? The same way. We forced five turnovers and couldn't score. Oh. I mean, we, we, we got stopped. We got stopped. It would have been 17-14. We get stopped on fourth down to one. What I thought was a bad play call. And right. it should have been 17-14 with seven minutes left. And we, they couldn't score. I mean, they couldn't score on us either. Our defense played really well like it did a couple of years ago when we won all those games in the Big Ten. So, you know, it, it, was, it was right there. You know, we, but that fourth and one was the game, essentially. We got but the ball so back you, with another turnover, but we couldn't score. You must feel a certain amount of pride in, in how they played on the road against the Big Ten team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that game was, I, I, I would wonder, I, I'd like to hear what Orlovsky thinks. We couldn't score, he did the game, we, we, we out, I thought we outplayed them. Wow. Uh, and I thought that Fitz got the better of them. I, 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 I did, and, and, but, you know, when you get down on fourth and one and you're on the road and you march down the field, you got to score. Yeah. And he didn't, go, he didn't go for the field goal. It was sort of like yesterday in the Baltimore game. And, you know, my text chain with a bunch of, you know, people that, like Don and Larry Irving and Don Day and people that you know from Northwestern, most of them were saying in real live time, he's got to kick the field goal to make it a seven-point game. Kick the field goal, make it 17-10. I'm like, no. If we can't get down there, and we we're down there now, we're moving the ball. We got momentum, and we turned it, we've turned them over five times. That's a lot. That's so much. Let's go. Let's go. And we, we couldn't score in that playing so. Um, so I looked it. in the paper today, and this, I will say, surprised me. I know Georgia had a tough game, and they won very, very late yeah. with Missouri. Alabama moved into number one. Alabama's opening game, they barely won. I, I, I'm not sure I understand the motivation to drop Georgia one and raise Alabama. I agree that they're probably the two best teams, yeah, but I, I, I wouldn't have done that. Would, yeah, you, know? I, you know, To me, it's, it's meaningless. Tony, it's notable, but it's meaningless because they're going to be one and two until somebody yeah. loses. If, if, and if, and until. That's right. So, with that being right. said, and they're both going to get in, even if they have one loss. So, I'm not. It, that to me just doesn't. It doesn't resonate as a, as a real issue. Like, I'm not saying if I was a voter that you know I wouldn't try to defend my position, or if I went the other way, I'd call. You know, we'd be having this conversation like we used to all the time. I'd say, Tony, this is insane. You know, I vote, and I, I would never have gone this way, that sort of thing. But um, I just think it's notable, but, but that's it. Okay. Let me get to the pros. I write things down during the course of the day. I prepare to what I'm going to ask you. Here's a note I took down. Baltimore pummeled Buffalo because Baltimore yep. was pummeling Buffalo. I think it was 20-3. Yep. to three. It, it was, was dominating, and Buffalo came back to win that game. To me, that's the headline game of the day. Buffalo, which has had a yes. murderous yes. schedule yes. its first four games, I coming agree. back in Baltimore. Right? What did you think of that? Um, Tony, so going into that game yesterday, I, I picked uh, Buffalo to win that game, uh, even though it's on the road. I, just, I thought Buffalo would win that game. Um, 
and down twenty to three, I did not give up on that. I I went to that game in my house on, on a set, not red zone. That game, right? Because right. I thought, like you, that was the glamour game of the day. Yeah, you want to see those two quarterbacks who are both MVP worthy. Uh, Baltimore had struggled once and blown the lead in the same division against Miami. So I was just like, okay, let's see what's going on. I, I think Buffalo can come back if they can score here, meaning here, to make it 20-10, to 10, and they did. So I thought that was game on. I know people want to kill Harbaugh. I disagree. I just told you my coach did the same thing. And in a live time, I thought it was the way to go. I didn't feel that way necessarily, but a, a three-point lead – so 23-20, that was going to be insurmountable against no. you know no. that team? No, it wasn't. No, no. no. So, and, and Harbaugh said, I thought that gave us the best chance. And basically what he said was a field goal wasn't going to win the game. And so I thought that was uh, – I, I, I'm not down on Harbaugh. As a matter of fact, I thought that was the way to go. I, I mean, my takeaway from the game, and without any disrespect to Baltimore, they're playing in bad weather conditions. But my takeaway from that game – is that Buffalo and Kansas City, both of whom went on the road and beat good teams, that they have reestablished themselves, Mike, as the two best teams in football. What do you think? Yeah, if I was doing a power rating today, I would go that way, I think. Although, you know what? I might have to go Philly 1. Philly really? beat a good team yesterday. Yeah. I would go Philly 1, Kansas City 2, Buffalo 3, I think. Philly was at home. Those would be my top three. Philly was down fourteen, nothing, and, and yeah, they, they dominated. A really good Jacksonville team. Yeah, well, Jacksonville's yeah. better than we thought. Yeah, right away yes, they're they better are. without Urban Meyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I would go the other way because I just think that I think the top of the AFC is better. And I would give as an example, Green Bay had incredible trouble yesterday. Yes, incredible trouble. I mean, and that's why I didn't mention them one, two, or three. And they're outside of that. And they're they're three and one now, and they won three straight since everybody started to panic. But I'm they're down, playing I, a team know. that's down to its third quarterback, a guy named Zappy, Zappy, yeah. and they they don't put him away, and they're at home. They don't. Yeah, I mean it's like the Bears yesterday. The Giants are down to no quarterback. They're running that's the Wildcat right. with Saquon Barkley taking the snaps. So we couldn't win that game. And that basically is an indictment of the Bears coaching staff, an indictment. But I thought you liked the new coaching staff. I don't know yet. I don't right. know if I like them or not. It's too early. But they is Justin they, Fields they, they, they any good? They endear themselves to me. Tony, is he, it, it, is he any good? It's, it's worry time. It's worry time at Chicago. And, yeah. and, and as I keep saying every week, I'm willing to be patient with him. But if you lose a game to a team that doesn't have a quarterback in the fourth quarter, that means you don't have a quarterback either. And so we don't I have one yet. I agree with and that. I, it worries me. You know, on my, on my text chain with the Bears, there are former Bears. There are actual people who play for that franchise. And they want this to work as, as desperately as I do. But, you know, on Monday morning, and I haven't talked to them yet, I'll get a text saying, okay, here's what I saw, here's what I didn't see. And, you know, I mean, players who have no agenda other than that franchise's success, they're going to give it to you straight. And so we don't know what the fields can play. He holds on to the ball too long. Uh, he can make some spectacular plays, but he can't make some routine ones yet. Now, again, I keep pointing out to my son, who's you know emotionally on a roller coaster every week. I said, hey, Troy Aikman was like 1-15. in 15. 
field That's hasn't right. had 16 starts yet. So let's just let's just slow it down and not, you know, because yesterday he starts asking me in the fourth quarter, Dad, is it time to think about benching fields? I'm like, no, stop it, shut up. Um, and it's not time for that yet, but it's, 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 it's worry time. It is a little worry time, Tony. He has not moved off square one, and that's, the, that's to me, the bad news. Yeah. I'll stay in your division for a second. I am fascinated now by Detroit. They score 100 points a game. They don't win. They obviously right. have no defense, but they are yeah. much better than last year, aren't they? Much better. Yeah, I, pick, I picked them to win yesterday, and they should not have lost that game. That's a tough game to lose at home to that team. Yeah. Um, but they can score, man. But but yesterday, Tony, the game was lost by the quarterback of the team that you said was going to win last year because they got rid of that guy. That's exactly what happened, and he lost the game. He had just a soul-crushing Jay Cutler-like late-game pick when, yeah. they, when they had come all the way back. So I don't know what to make of them, but they got some weapons offensively. And by the way, they are fun to watch. They really are. fun. They are. Let me let me go back to Harbaugh for a second because I was on the red zone and you were watching. Maybe you were watching that game on in the regular feed of that game. I did. Why yes. do you think? Why do you think that John Harbaugh, or maybe maybe the Buffalo coach is just smarter about this? But I would have let them score late. I would have tried to keep the clock at about a minute and see what I could do. And they didn't score. And then they ran it down and they kicked the field goal. Do you yeah. think Harbaugh – I don't know what happened there. Maybe the Buffalo well, coach said, don't go in. Don't go yes, in. I, I think that they, there were a couple of plays where they weren't going to go in. And so they just had to – you know, Harbaugh had to live with that. Look, Baltimore yeah. lost that game on, on its own. That sequence did not lose the game. Their inability to score lost the game. And so, yes, I think that Buffalo was going to play it conservatively that I do. So, but I don't, yeah, that's I don't think the right way to do it. Harbaugh couldn't do anything about that at that point. All right, so that corrects for me. Let me let me get you out of here on this, and I'm switching gears completely. Okay. The New York Mets went to Atlanta. They got beat three straight. Oh. Their yeah. two best pitchers lost the first two games. They got beat. Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson each hit a home run in each of those three games. Yeah. Atlanta looked like the defending World Series champions. What did you make of it? They looked like the defending World Series champion. I mean, there's no way I expected them. I, if you said to me, they're going to get swept, I, I would wish with DeGrom and Scherzer going in that order. I would say, yeah, yeah, they could get swept. I had no thought in my head going into that series that the Braves would sweep. Now, Tony, I don't want to extrapolate. I don't want to make this seem like that automatically means the Mets are going to be toast in the playoffs. I, I don't – those two aces are still too good for me to believe that. So I'm still going to look at the Mets as a really good team. They got to pull themselves together after that three-game loss. But that was a while to me that they got swept like that. And it does – so who does it say if we were doing this on the show today, and we will on some, some form. We have to. What was the bigger story, the, the, the Braves sweeping or the Mets being swept? And I'm going to say the um, Braves sweeping was actually the bigger I, story. I think, it's, I think it's the Braves sweeping because, yeah. because there was so much pressure on them at home – who they were going to face. And I just think that 
you know, I, I think Swanson and Olsen came up so big. So yeah. big. They also they have do. a great defensive center fielder. He yeah, made every play do. there was to make. Yeah, they, they, they look good. I'm not saying they're they the Dodgers. Like they did. They, like they did. For the, mm-hmm. for the first time all year when they had to, they did. And their last 60 games, they're something like 40 and 20. I mean, they're yeah, very, they, like they, they were last they're year. The they're very good. They're the number one team in the, in the league, I think, in the last, since the break. By the way, Tony, the number the fifth best record since the break. It's got to be the Cubs. It's got to be the Cubs. Yeah. It's got to be the wow. Cubs. They've been, yeah. yeah. They've Amazing. done very well. It's too late, but all right. I'll talk to you later. All right, Tony. Sounds good. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, will take a break. Dave Sims, our friend Dave Sims, who announces Seattle Mariners games, is going to join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the second time we've heard from Low Hollow. This is a song called Wild. They are playing at the Oakhurst Porch Fest in Decatur, Georgia, on Saturday, October 8th, which is next Saturday. And they write, um, it's a pretty cool event. 200-plus bands perform throughout the historic Atlanta neighborhood on people's porches. People's porches. Should be plenty of solo stoves to enjoy if Michael still has not invited you over. <laughs> Excuse me for coughing. Michael, uh, if people like Low Hollow want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com, and you're always invited to enjoy the warmth of the solo stove. Absolutely. Bring your own logs. Dave Sims joins us now, and I'm not going to do justice to this call. But Michael played it for me today when Seattle made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years, and I'm going to give it a shot. The dream lives. The drought is over. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, now. So, you know, I once asked Al Michaels if, and, and the most, Al Michaels has, I think, the most famous call in sports. Do you believe in miracles, right? I think that's yep. the most famous call in sports. I asked him if he rehearsed it. He said nobody thought about it. You've had a lot of time to think about Seattle, the Mariners making the playoffs. Did you think about now, and you do it on a walk-off home run, so you're not utterly, you're utterly not prepared for it to happen in that moment. Did you think about it? Tell me about how you announce a game and if you thought about that call. During the day, I thought about certain points I absolutely had to hit. And, and then by the, you know, once you get into the moment, it, it's a, you're reacting right there. I mean, you can prepare all you want. You can't be reaching for a, piece, a, a, a script. A whiteboard or anything like that. You got to call it. You got to live it. You got to breathe it, and that's what happened. Is "Hey now" something you say all the time when they win? Uh, not all the time. Big moments. Uh, you know, Frank Sinatra. I got the world on a string. On a string. Hey now, I'm in love. The back end of right. it. Plus, you know, from Gary Shandling's show, Hank Kingsley would say "Hey now," and I, I loved right. it. And I, I tried it one time, and I liked it, and I got good response. So, 
Last year, Hanniger, game 161, had a two-run single that gave us the lead against the Angels, and I gave three hay nows, and that's like the ultimate. The, the, the three hay nows is, I mean, it's a pretty doggone big deal, and that's what the, the Cows home run the other day. It warranted that, and uh, it's definitely become part of my, my lexicon, and I'm identified by it now. Or, or, but you're not a slave to it, like in the, way that, mm-hmm. in the way that John Sterling has got to say, the Yankees, no, well, you don't have to no. do it. No, okay. no, no, no. That is, I'm a Marty Glickman disciple, and and a Marty Brenneman disciple, and just call it Marty Brenneman. Said, just call it the damn game that you're looking at, and yeah. uh, and, and you know I'm not wedded to it. I have I probably have made a million ball, you know uh, home run calls. I mean when Nelson Cruz was here, it was always boomstick baby. You know Nelson, you know, there's a drive deep left center. There it goes, boomstick baby. Nelson Cruz with a home run. Yeah, that was it. But that's the only one I'm really wedded to. And he's no longer with no longer with the ball club. So no, he's here and he stinks. Yeah, I just I just well, throw that in parenthetical. Career. Come on, he's, yeah, I tell well, you what, though, he's one of the great Hall of Fame uh, people I've ever you know uh, ball players I've ever met and worked with. I can tell you that. Nah, it's just Terrific the Nats. The Nats pick up people so they can lose 105. That's what they do. That's right, right. You got them at the wrong period of time. Sure. (laughs) All right, so it's 21 years. It's the longest drought for the playoffs in any American sport, pro sport. Did you you at any point, did your confidence wane? Did you say, oh, we're not going to do it? Uh, No, you know, this team is a good good bunch of dudes, and – we they the Mariners have won a whole bunch of games like that uh, coming out you know out of nowhere late, so it was just a matter of who and when, and if it wasn't going to be you know a Friday night, it was going to be Saturday or Sunday afternoon. So uh, that, you know that's how it worked out. Okay, uh, as a sports fan, and I am a sports fan, I know that the foot uh, the basketball team moved out of Seattle in the last yeah. ten fifteen years. I know a hockey team was. Put in Seattle, but it's a hockey team. It's not very good. I know the Seattle Seahawks, and I assume Seattle Seahawks on Sunday scored about 95 points. I assume that the Seattle Seahawks are the number one team in town. Maybe I am wrong. Where are the Mariners compared to the Seahawks? I would say right now, making a playoffs at this moment, we're number one. Uh, The Seahawks Seahawks had a very good run in the Russell Wilson years. Yeah, they got the two Super Bowls. Should have won. Should have won both. 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 And uh, which is uh, still just. I'm not. I'm an Eagle fan, but it just. It, I just feel for people I know here in Seattle after that debacle in the Super Bowl. Anyway, um, I would say we're number one right now. I mean, we don't have a basketball team, but an NBA team, and they keep saying it's going to come. But I'd say the Mariners. I mean, because this. I have people tweeting me and people, uh, you know, emailing. Hey, we cried. We loved your call. It was unbelievable. And uh, so, it, it, a long time in coming. And the Mariners had that good run from like '95 to like oh one oh two. With Pinella, with yeah, Pinella, exactly. they had a good run. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now I've been to Seattle a bunch of times. Um, I stayed in the hotel where the Beatles stayed, doing nice. Monday night football. I, I. I liked Seattle very much. I went to the Pike Street Market. I bought a picture, which hangs in my house for the last 15 years. But I never thought of Seattle. I thought of Seattle as a very sort of laid-back grunge place. I never thought of Seattle as a sports town. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me Seattle is a great sports Uh, town. It's a a very good sports town. 
Um, and especially now that, you know, the Mariners are competitive as all heck. You know, Washington, University of Washington football, basketball's had some runs here. The Sonics, yeah. obviously, they've been gone since, what, 07, 08. Uh, Durant was here. He played his first year here with P.J. Colissimo and the Sonics. Um, and, and the Seahawks, the run that they're, they're, you know, they're rebuilding right now, but that six, seven-year run where everything was about the 12s, everything was about, about the Seahawks. I mean, I, I can, some of the winning seasons that we did have over the last 16 years was always overridden by any kind of talk about, hey, who's going to be the backup left guard on the Seahawks? Yeah. I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. I, I get that. I mean, I, I, in Washington, even though the uh, football team stinks, for many, many years, it dwarfed everything else in town by oh, hundreds no of miles, hundreds of miles. You, but the, the Mariners are a good young team, right? And you got a young star who's locked yeah, up. Julio Rodriguez locked him up. He's uh, coming back tomorrow after some back tightness. Kept him out on the uh, IL for 10 days. Got a good pitching staff, although Robbie Ray had a bad day today. Um, and it's one of the top pitching staffs uh, in baseball. I think number five in ERA starting on Sunday. Starting on Sunday. Pitching and defense is how they've really been doing, and lately hitting a ton of home runs since August 1st. Hit something like close to 80 home runs, which is tops in the uh, in the American League, and I think no no worse than number two or three in baseball. So that's that's how they're getting it done, man. And the bullpen has been lights out. Bullpen has really been outstanding. So you're you're in the playoffs, as I said, it's the longest drought in American pro sports, but the playoffs are a different animal. The playoffs oh, yeah. are not broadcast by the local broadcasters a lot. They go to ESPN right. or they go to TBS. Will you call the Mariners playoff games, Dave? I'll, I'll get, I don't know uh, what the rotation is right now, but I will get some action on radio. Uh, last year when it looked like we were going to be going to the playoffs, they had a, a rotation that was that looked reasonable. And so I'll get some time to call actually call a playoff game, and I'm, pretty much, you know, I'm looking forward to it. We lost today. Toronto won. So right now it looks like, uh, and, and Tampa Bay lost. So it looks like we're going to be the five seed and have to play at the four seed Toronto. Best of three beginning on, uh, was it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all of those games are in the in Toronto, right? All, Correct. all of them. Correct. Well, at least you'll be in a, the Eastern time zone and you'll be allowed in the country. Whether Even Novak Djokovic is going to be allowed in Canada <laughs> at this point, <laughs> vaccinated right. or not, right? I tell you what, a couple of weeks ago, before they lifted the ban, my greatest fear was that we were going to make the playoffs, and we had a couple, three guys that yeah. were not vaccinated, were not going to, and one of them was the starting pitcher. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding. This is going to be the thing that's going to you know, lead to our doom in the playoffs because he can't get in the country. I mean, you got to be kidding. So let's talk about you for a second. You're a Philly yeah. kid. Then you were a New York writer for many years at the Daily News. How did you get to Seattle? How, what path took you there? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. I was at the Daily News, 75 to 82, and then got into TV. And I got into play-by-play, uh, uh, -play. believe it or not, thanks to Bill Cosby, when he was still Bill Cosby, you know what I mean? And he hooked yeah. me up, and I got the Temple radio job, and that led to ESPN. And I did baseball and basketball and football for them. I did baseball in 90, what was that, 93, 92-93. So I said, hey, I like this. I'd like to do it. So, And then I, you know, I wound up doing about 18, 19 years of Westwood One, football and basketball, did the NCAA tournament. And, and with a little bit of baseball sprinkled in, I'd done some at MSG Network. And then uh, in Halloween 06, I get a call. Ron Fairley's retiring. We got an opening. 
throwing your tape, throwing the tape, beat out about 100 guys, a lot of them with a lot more uh, MLB experience. And I've been here since uh, the start of the 07 season, and it's gone well. I've won, uh, won, as I saw you at the NSMA a few years ago, I've won that award three times, you know, sportscaster of the year in Washington. And um, it's it's a great situation, especially now that we're winning, because we've had plenty of 100 lost seasons and 90 lost seasons since I've been here. All right, so I'm older than you, but I'm not that much older than you. Not that much. Not that no, much. not that much. And I'm not telling tales out of school. The only black broadcaster in baseball that I remember on a regular basis was Bill White of the Yankees. Amen. It had to That's be it. hard. It had to be hard for you to be seen in that role, be given that job. You had to think, wow, am I ever going to get it? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's funny you say that because for many years when I'd be going to a Temple Radio or ESPN football basketball, and you'd walk up to the gate and yeah, what are you doing? I'm a play-by-play guy, and they got you know they'd look at you with like you had four heads. <laughs> and in baseball, in the history of Major League Baseball, I'm something like maybe the sixth African American male to be a lead TV guy uh, for a ball club. You know, Bill White and uh, you know Kenny Singleton was the play-by-play and color. Paul Olden is a PA announcer at Yankee Stadium. Did. He did Cleveland radio. He did Tampa TV. He did Yankees TV. Greg Gumbel did Yankees TV. Well, theme there, Yankees, and um, but but it's it's been great. But I have I do you know, predominantly TV, and I do a lot of radio work. And if I'm the only one doing it on TV. And Robert Ford, who's a New York guy, Bronx Science, Syracuse, he's the lone lead radio guy who's African-American in Major League Baseball. That's and, it? And Just you and him? Yep. That's it? And then, and then you know, Rod Allen does some color for Miami, and there's a couple other guys, not many other guys. I mean, uh, my man Mike Claiborne does the Cardinals wraparound on radio. Uh, and currently, I think that's it. Kenny Singleton retired. So this is, this is an interesting thing to me, and you know this about me. All my life... All my life, all I wanted to be from the time that I was six, seven, eight years old, I wanted to be a newspaper sports writer. That's all Mm -hmm. I wanted to be. And I started, I was telling my son today that I was going through things, old things, and I could find out that, that when I was 12 and 13 years old, I tried to write for local weekly papers on Long (laughs) Island where I live and cover my high school. I wanted to do that. How long did you, but I... But I saw people who looked like me doing it. How long did you want to do this? And did yeah. you see people who looked like you doing it? Well, I was thrilled when I first saw Bill White doing it. And, and I got to tell you, I've been, in, uh, been around athletics all my life. My father used to uh, play softball in the Philadelphia Post Office League. Then he, ran, he was commissioner of the Basketball League. So I've always been around, you know, go to, I went to Phillies games, Eagles games. I saw Wilt Chamberlain on a regular basis at Convention Hall. So I knew sports was going to be my new you, no question. And then when I got to high school, I went up going to a private school in Philly and, and I uh, fell in love with hockey and everybody said, you're going to be a hockey announcer. And I knew I wanted to be an announcer because I used to, you know, with board games and those, remember those electromagnetic uh, football games? You, you sure. Flip the switch. I used to broadcast those games. I mean, I knew I had it in, and I had great guys in Philly that uh, I loved listening to, and, and the national guys as well. And you know, I knew I wanted to do uh, be a broadcaster and do eventually, especially after I did so many years of football and basketball. I said, I got to get some baseball in, and I, you know, I, I caught a break. I mean, it's the old who who you not always what you know, but who you know. A couple connections, you know, and it, it worked out for me, and and uh, you know, got a couple 
couple of people got to the right people. They got to look at my stuff, and they said, we like them, and here I am in Seattle in my 16th year. So this, this also interests me, because I know a couple of people who do this for a living. And baseball broadcasters, they work the longest seasons, they work oh, the God, most yeah. games, <laughs> but they don't necessarily, much like the players, live in the cities where they broadcast. You right. live in New York. You broadcast in Seattle. The only further away stop is Miami to Seattle, from New York Honestly, to Seattle in the continental United that, States. That's the only one that's further. How do you live your life? Yeah, it's it's good. I got an apartment here. We own in New York. Uh, my wife's the same as, as my southern football friends. It suddenly outkicked your coverage when you married her, and uh, <laughs> the uh, she she was great for so long. I mean, she had her own gig as a physical therapist running a, running a center, and uh, she retired, what, about seven years ago. But she used to schlep around the country, particularly the eastern and central time zones, to catch up with, with me on weekends. We just, you know, we've been doing it for so long. A couple of times, you know, the Mariners were their contract time, hey, you have to move, to move to Seattle. I said, you had that chance, to, had a chance to do that the first couple of years. I'm not doing it now. I got grandkids on the East Coast. That ain't happening. And, uh, they said, okay, we'll work something out. So it, it, it's all good. It's, it, we're so used to it now. It's just part of who we are and what we do. That's how it is. I mean, in Washington, Bob Carpenter, I believe, lives in Kansas City or someplace like Tulsa. Kansas City. Tulsa. Okay, He's yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. and that's, that's how it works. You live where you live, and then you go to work where you go to work. I mean, it, it, yeah. it worked out great for you, didn't it, Dave? Yeah, it, it did. did. Yeah, it did. And, you know, it was interesting when I called you a couple, I don't know, a month and a half ago, and had Charlie Steiner on, our mutual friend, and Charlie was talking about how, you know, wow, I, I lived the dream to, to work with Vince Scully. And, I, and I, that's when I called you and I called Tony. I said, I mean, I called Charlie. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm a young black guy in Philadelphia wanting to be a broadcaster, and I made it. I said, I think I, I see and I raise you on that one, <laughs> Yeah, it's I it's it's wonderful. Enjoy whatever you do in the playoffs, enjoy and we will talk to you during the playoffs. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, you bet, Tone. All the best. Be well, Michael. All the best, man. Hang in there. Dave Sims, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is so much fun when Bill Pitcher <laughs> plays the organ. So much fun. Giant organ. That's a baseball park organ, right? Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. yeah wild card weekend coming yeah. up. Fantastic. Just fantastic. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel head? Although Michael picked up the bagels today. Yes, Michael, thank you for picking those up. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Hey, you think if I do, if I pick up the bagels, the least I could do is the Bethesda bagels read. <laughs> Did you want to do as it? As I stand out in the rain for you, Dad. <laughs> Did you so want So that it? you can have your bagel sandwich. The bagel sandwiches well, are really good. 
Just we remember. have house guests too, and they're going to eat. Just them remember as well. when you enjoy that bagel sandwich, I delivered it to you. Well, you're going to get one <laughs> on time every time. Yeah, you're like FedEx <laughs> or Super Wings. <clears throat> That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say our house is a very, very, very fine house. With two cats in the yard, life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. I'll light the fire while you place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Graham Nash is singing that. That is from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I think he is singing that to Joni Mitchell. Yes. I think they were together at that point. Am I right, Nigel? Yes, and he wrote it because they were walking down the street, and they looked in a, in a shop. It's and in Laurel oh, Canyon. Nice, yeah, nice yeah. vase. Let's, let's yeah. take that. And then went home, and he wrote this amazing song. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Dave Sims. Thanks to our sponsors, SeatGeek, MeUndies, and FrameBridge. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. It's officially Shacket season, Dad. So we have a new code with a new month. So TK Meal Deal. Meal Deal. Check out johnnyo.com and make sure you don't miss your uh, side of fries. Yeah. This comes from Charlie Gabriel, who was in the Hall of Fame of Kentucky baseball coaches in Louisville, Kentucky. The Kodak carousel scene in Mad Men was absolutely the greatest moment in the series. He is saying, I am agreeing. It's the greatest moment I've ever seen on television, that particular speech by John Hamm as Don Draper. You may not recall, but Flo, Stephanie Courtney, and I do recall this, was a recurring character in Mad Men season one named Marge. She played one of the women in the phone switchboard. I do remember that. Her best line was in the party scene when Ken Cosgrove chased her and tackled a secretary and pay- playfully pinned her down so as to see the color of her underwear, which cannot happen anymore and shouldn't have happened then. And Marge no. told Peggy, quote, and I thought I'd find a husband here. Thanks for all the laughs. So it is certainly possible that when They're John Ham does that commercial, the progressive commercial with Flo, that they do remember each other, that they knew each other, although I don't know how it works on a television set. You know, you, John Hamm may never have been there when, when Stephanie Courtney was doing her scenes. What do you think, Nigel? We don't know. I, I, want, to th- I want to say that they knew each other. She was in the Groundlings, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they connected yeah. that way. But yeah, there They're seems lovely to be some, commercials. There's well, so when much she fun. calls him Tom Hamm, it's just, <laughs> it's so good. From Alex Lau in New York City, I have to correct the email from Thursday's show stating that the NYU's team name is now the Bobcats instead of the Violets. While NYU's mascot is the Bobcats, it's still, the, its teams are still known as the Violets. I know because I live almost right around the corner from NYU's main campus area, not much of an actual campus. While NYU no longer takes the cake as the most expensive school in the country, I'd be willing to bet that off-campus housing makes it one of the most expensive schools in the country, all things considered. I would know because I'm one of the dopes who pays an absurd amount of money of rent to live here. P.S. One article I read had Penn as the second most expensive school in the country. So if Michael went to school now, you'd probably be shelling out 80K or so all in. Given how poorly the stock market is doing, I imagine you'd need to find some additional revenue streams to fund that. I heard opening a restaurant's always a good way to make some dough. That's a funny email. <laughs> it was not 80 when you were there, but oh, it was gosh, certainly no. in the top 10. But you, uh, you were on the hook for two big ones, Penn, GW? Yeah, a lot of money. GW was one of the three most expensive schools in the country. Yeah. John Bruce, Eagle River, Alaska. He writes, I challenge Wilbon to come to Kodiak Island, Alaska. Walk up to a Kodiak brown bear, which can get as large as 1,500 pounds and 10 feet on its hind legs, and get big. You lose that fight every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Perhaps he'd like to go a little further north and try a polar bear. Maybe he should just stick to sports and give up on the wildlife survival skills. From Alex Cloninger, who's an associate professor of mathematics at UC San Diego. I'm an avid listener to Bill Simmons' Ringer podcast. They have one called Gamblers, and guess who's the feature story? 
Rufus Learned Peabody. And yes, apparently that's his real full name. I saw the title and I immediately thought, he's real? It's a great listen. They even had a dig about how some gambling group he joined, quote, was on a whole different level than the MIT blackjack team. Wonder how Jeff Ma feels about that one. From Eli <laughs> Weber, a Wilbur rather, Eli in Atlanta. Tillamook vanilla bean ice cream topped with Martin and Sons bourbon barrel-aged maple syrup. You can thank me later. Even the woman to whom I'm related by marriage who only listens for the Reginald theme song is a fan. Special thanks to the team at Martin and Sons who not only emailed my wife to confirm that she truly wanted some of their maple syrup shipped to Atlanta, but threw in a free extra bottle of that after hearing her story about humoring me. I'll do this one more. This is from Gil Stacy in Savannah, Georgia. And Michael, you'll recognize some of the names in this. Dear Tony, your deserved pride in your home course being the site of the USGA Girls Junior Championships last year has fanned my pride in my middle sister Hollis's success in the USGA Girls Junior while I sweated bullets at basic training at Fort Polk, Louisiana, summer of 69. Won the first of our three consecutive USGA Girls Juniors beginning at age 15 in Dallas. Sisters Hollis and Marthy, Martha Stacy Leach are one of two pairs of sisters to have won USGA championships, with Hollis winning six USGA titles, which in addition to the girls' championship, she won the Women's Open three times. Martha won the 2009 USGA Women's Mid-Am. The Curtis sisters during the Victorian era each won USGA events. Hollis, at her induction into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2011, was appropriately introduced by Martha. Among the inductees that year were the founder of Phil's Coffee, Phil Mickelson, and Dan Jenkins, Sally's dad. In spite of my inability to drive my way out of a wet paper bag in 1985, the Stacy family was awarded the Golf Family of the Year by the Metropolitan Golf Writers Association. Sisters Martha and Ann played NCAA golf at UGA and in Indiana, respectively. Brother Tommy played at UGA. I, too, played at UGA, but not at golf or any other athletic endeavor. Other than sharing the surname Stacy, my golfing talents included a ballistic grade slice, which would send the caddies running for cover at the caddy shack at the Savannah Golf Club. <laughs> Use the code, people, in this case, duck and cover. Isn't that nice? That's great. Hollis Stacy is a very, very, very famous golfer. She is. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Now, if there's anything I can do for you. Well, I certainly hope you'll die soon. I hope you'll die soon. Yeah. In the morning, I kiss you goodbye. On my way out the door. But every time I wonder why. And just who this routine's for. I got one reason why I work. Just so I can pay the bills But tell me what it is worth If I can't love you until The night comes around And the sun is gone down The kids are all in bed Dreaming in their heads No care to Got the music playing softly now No one love that high and lonesome sound There's no place I'd rather be You alone with me when the night comes around
stars light my way While I drive the P.I.B. Soon the sun will start your day And I'll be stuck on 23 Because it tortures me today Thinking of you lying all alone Warm and bundled in our bed While I work out on If the moon stole the sun Every day was night It'd be you and me in the moon No more waiting for the time When the night comes around And the sun is gone down Kids are all in bed Dreams are in their heads Cares to be found Got the music playing softly now Don't love that high and lonesome sound There's no place I'd rather be You alone with me when the night comes around
long.